0: this is pod with me today you're gonna learn about the real cuba see i was born here in miami uh, but my parents came in the late 60s and everything was uh, starting to change over there in cuba my dad's business was taken away from him he tells the tale of uh people that would shoot themselves after they took their businesses away and you can hear the gunshots and my mom says that in front of her very own eyes my grandfather owned a supermarket and they came in and took the keys and said, "This is not your business anymore. This is the government's." Venezuela's headed towards that way, or or not? It's already there, and that's what communism is all about. So today we're going to listen to the story of someone that went to Cuba, and uh, couldn't believe their eyes. Actually, I couldn't believe it because I thought that things had gotten better because you hear, "Great, you have to go, you have to go." And after listening to the story, I don't want to give one penny to that government. Put on your seatbelts and get ready to listen to the story of the real Cuba, because the pod starts now. As you are arriving to the house, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh. My. God. Credit. Are you ready? Let's go. Alex, are you ready to pod? Hey, 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 are you all ready? We are ready. Let's get to it. Credit.
0: This is Alex J. Aguiar, and you're listening to Pod With Me. I'm here with Angel, and Angel has not seen his family in 50 years. Angel, you went to go take a trip to visit your family in Cuba, and you're going to tell us about your experience because it's fascinating um, of how Cuba really is, and people actually do not get to see the the real side of Cuba. Tell us your first day, you arrived to Cuba, and what was your experience like from there on?
1: Well, we landed at Jose Marti Airport, and my first experience was that it was falling apart, literally deteriorating. Um, you know, it's, the paint was probably 10 years old.
0: Okay. So I've had friends that have gone to Cuba, they expect that, and they expect that it's been frozen in time, and they find it very nice. They think it's historic, and it takes them back in time, and that makes it beautiful. What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, I've I've actually grew up in Cuba, and I went back and visited my old neighborhood. It's difficult to imagine. Think of the transformation here in South Florida or South Beach how it used to be really bad, and now it's really nice. Cuba has done that in reverse. Uh, and it's a fourth world country in many, many aspects. So
0: you get to the airport and you're seeing all this, and, and what's your thought? What, what were you thinking when you're seeing the airport and you're, and you're, you're there?
1: Well, my first thought was, I asked my, my cousin, don't people work here? And she just mentioned that, yeah, some
0: people work, but most people just don't, and there's no work. Okay, and that you said you asked her that because you saw a lot of people out in the streets. It was the middle of the
1: day on a Tuesday. Imagine everybody here here in the United States would be working. Get down there, and there, there's people all over the place just doing nothing, loitering around, just you know, just living life, sitting under a tree. And I'm not. This is not a
0: condemnation on the people. This is kind of an observation of what was going on. Got it. All right, yeah, because you come from the United States where everybody's working, so it was kind of like a little, you know, you saw the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you arrive to your relative's house where you're staying at. As you are arriving to the house, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, my God.
0: I couldn't imagine
1: how bad it was. You know, I, having grown up there, I knew there was scarcity. Uh, and, but the level of poverty is incredible. Um, we have houses that don't have working toilets.
0: We have houses. Sorry. So you arrive to the house, okay? I want to hear this in detail. You arrive, <laughs> go inside the house. First time in the bathroom, what's going on? I'm
1: looking around and I try to wash my hands, and there was no running water. And there's there's piping, but no water's coming out. So at that point in time, I kind of realized that we needed a bucket. To do anything with water in the, in this in this house, and where'd you go get the bucket, and where's the water? The water is stored outside of the kitchen in barrels, storage barrels. Um, then the water gets delivered as needed, as long, as long as they can pay for it. Water gets delivered. Well, at some point in time, nature has its callings, right? Uh, and. So when I asked about that situation, I was pointed to a bucket that I carried inside with me. So to do
0: number two, you had to go get a bucket?
1: <laughs> to do either number one or number two, you have to go get a bucket. And what's uh, going on with that toilet? Uh, well, the toilet was 50 years old and the pipes inside had credit almost closed.
0: Uh, it was quite the journey. Okay, so, so uh, you told me earlier that you uh, went and bought a toilet. Uh, as a critical situation
1: in the household where I was staying, um, I realized that without a working toilet, that household could not stand. And we went out and we bought a
0: toilet and had a new toilet installed. Okay, so but they were—if you weren't there, would they would they be able to go buy a toilet? They would not have been able to afford a toilet. No.
1: That, that toilet cost maybe four or five months' uh, worth of uh, work. Wow. When it was time to go to sleep, uh, we they gave me a room, which was amazing because the, the, the house had a living room, two bedrooms, a kitchen, and that's it. And there were five or six of us there. And I, they gave me a room and it was extremely warm, there was no air conditioning. Um, you know, like some people had air conditioning, most people do not. And it's horrible. I mean,
0: the good thing it was February, so it wasn't the worst part of the year. Yeah. Um, All right. So then you woke up in the morning and what what was for breakfast? Nothing. No coffee, nothing? Nothing was for breakfast. We had
1: coffee, but that was about it. Wow. Well, yeah. What were your thoughts there? What were, <laughs>
0: i miss mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> all right so there was nothing for breakfast what did you what did you guys do where, where did you go What well, what was the activity for the day it,
1: it's amazing that it
0: took three
1: women to make breakfast lunch and dinner for the for the uh people who lived in the house um so that was a, an all-day affair for them well my uh, my cousin and i would go out and we would Basically run a hustle, and I don't mean stealing, I just mean hustling from one place to another to find anything that we could, see what was available. To uh, eat? So far, to eat, yes, to eat. That was a so daily goings on, going on. So
0: the daily routine is to wake up to find something to eat? That's correct. All right, so where did you find something to eat?
1: Um, roadside vendors, some, some government-owned stores.
0: That look like CVS or Walgreens?
1: Yeah, not quite.
0: So describe for me what what was it like walking in there and how was it? Was it full? How do they get the food?
1: Well, food comes in two forms. Government-sponsored food, and that's ration. Um, For anybody who wants government, for everybody, it's ration. They get, I don't know, two pounds of rice a month or something like that, uh, which is crazy. But it's a struggle.
0: So they get a list of what they can get a month and uh, and the portions is according to how many people live in the household
1: that is correct they're they're allocated you know x number of uh, pounds of rice per month per person uh and you know right there's usually rice there's usually beans everything else on the list if there is there is and if there isn't there isn't so just because it's on the list if it's not available you don't get it now do they work yes my uh well yeah, my we had two sisters. Uh, well, one one was some, one had just had the baby. The other one was taking care of the sick
0: child. But my other cousin worked. Yes, every day it's a routine to go get food. If they had money saved or anything, would they be able to go to a restaurant? They would be able to
1: go to a restaurant if uh, when we say a restaurant, we mean a fancy like a, a hotel restaurant, anywhere to, in the tourist area, a touristy area. Uh, generally, they would have to have. International currency. They they don't they don't accept pesos in those places. So money from Cuba they don't accept. Money from Cuba they don't accept in in the uh, hotel areas, the touristy areas. You can buy things with Cuban international currency or something like that, universal currency, and it would take mm, let's say
0: to buy a meal would take two weeks, maybe three weeks worth of work. So obviously they don't go they do not go no. and this is not just your family this is everybody this in cuba. Is everybody saw him uh as you know cuba has separated many 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 families because you're not allowed to travel out you're not allowed to travel in and a lot of our families have been separated and many have not seen their families in years you know my dad tells me that he painfully didn't see his uh parents my grandparents for 19 years imagine not seeing your parents for over 19 years I have friends that haven't seen their moms in five or six years. It's so sad. And my mom was actually in uh, the tourist area with my cousin back in the 90s. And she tells me that she was going to buy a Pepsi or Coke for her. And as she's buying the Pepsi and Coke, one of the guards or security guards that are watching everybody comes up to my mom and asks her, who's that Pepsi for? My mom said it's for my cousin. And my cousin was right next to her. Yes, he can tell that she's not a tourist. He says, well, she cannot have the coke. You can because you're a tourist, but she's not allowed to have the coke. You cannot buy this for her. Can you imagine? And my mom also tells me the tale when they were in the house back when it all began and there were spies listening to what words you say. There are certain words you couldn't say or reference. That is correct. Oh, And the music, you can get arrested if they hear you playing certain types of music in the house. Can you imagine that now what is the the career life what if you want to have a career and a certain profession or something what what is that like
1: well I don't know about the the Havana and in the urban areas but we're out out in Pinar del Rio which is you know a, a fairly good sized city um, I don't, I don't see how, you know, if you're not within the party, within government, I, I don't see what kind of career you could have.
0: Wow. Well, if, if you're not a communist, you don't have a career. That's a good way of putting it. All right. Got it. All right. So tell us about when the water arrived. So. And this is
1: water to drink, to shower, to do everything. This is this is the water supply for the house, you know, to do everything. Uh, a tractor pulls pulls up the street with a container behind it with an H2O sign on it, and they will actually run a hose into the backyard. A hose? A hose from the, from the pipa. From, from the okay, thing. so the, a hose comes out of the tank into the other tank into, of the house? Correct, correct. It's like in the Northeast, in the Northeast uh, United States, how they deliver oil like an oil delivery or a tanker truck coming into a gasoline station to drop off fuel that's how they get water
0: wow Uh, no water bottles no water bottles no you would think the guy with the tank would just get water bottles and bottle them up there isn't there are no water bottles too there's no there's no plastic
1: reality there's very little uh plastic uh, that I saw not that there aren't because there aren't certainly when you get to the touristy area there are but in the countryside
0: no, no. Uh, everywhere else in Cuba no.
1: just about everywhere else in Cuba no. all
0: right so all right so tell us about your little straw around Cuba so you saw Uber
1: so Uber yes yes morning rush in Cuba is filled with ubers you can call over to the side and there actually I was being pulled by a goat or a horse.
0: That's their edition of Uber.
1: That's their, yeah, that's their uh, uh, version of U- Uber. So a goat actually takes you? A goat, a goat will actually take you from one place to another. It'll pull a cart. that will take you from one place to another. Just like a bus would here.
0: You know? It's very surreal to me because it's funny because I have friends that go and stay in Cuba and they stay in the apartments in the city. And they say they have a fabulous time. and It's so pretty and so beautiful. And they go to the beach. And so they're only seeing the tourist aspect of it. That is
1: correct. That is correct. Uh, Havana, you have these uh, classic 1950s cars, beautiful. All of that is what the tourists see. In reality, you get outside of that four or eight block area in Havana, and the most popular form of transportation outside of Havana is a basic BC? taxi which is literally like a rickshaw uh, out, out on the, in the east where you have two people sitting in the back and you have a guy pedaling a bicycle as a mode of transportation. And you pay him like that, like you would pay a taxi driver. Wow, all right,
0: so you have the goat, you have the guys pedaling and you uh, know. horses.
1: Horses, horses okay. and, uh, oh, what was it? The garbage. They tell me that garbage is picked up whenever. There's no schedule. Uh, and, and, and then when they come, and I saw this with my own eyes, I couldn't believe it. It's actually an ox-drawn cart that people just come up and hand in their garbage. And they pick, pick the, I don't know where they take it, but it's, it's amazing that they're still doing that
0: on a daily basis. All right. And then tell us about when they lit a candle.
1: As, as uh, every Cuban knows the The electric power grid in Cuba isn't great, so there were you know there are lots of outages. When when the lights go out, as they did when I was there, they my family used the Cuban emergency candles. Okay, which are a saucer with some oil in it, a bottle cap, and a wick, a hole stuck in the middle of the bot by the bottle ca- cap for a wick, and then they would light that and put four or five of them around
0: the table so they would have some light. And I thought it was romantic. But well, I th- you know what? Candles are expensive, so if, if you're on you're a budget, now you know how to make a candle. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about that. Wow.
1: That's, of course, assuming that they had a, 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 a ration match because the, they were only allowed 10
0: boxes of matches per month. Wow. All right. So, and then you took a stroll down the uh to see the neighborhood. Tell us about the buildings.
1: Um uh, just an amazing sight. This is more in Havana than than anywhere else. Um walking through through Havana, what you saw was where the where the sh- cruise ships land in the tourist area is beautiful, uh, it's been rest- it's been maintained, restored. It's just a different world than the rest of Cuba.
0: And that's just about about a couple blocks away, uh,
1: just a couple of blocks away. I stayed at an Airbnb when I was in Havana, maybe five blocks from where the port is, from where the uh, the cruise ship landed. And if you walk along the boulevard Tamalecon, you enter the real Cuba. Well, not Malecón is real Cuba that's right on the bay that it's the, the main run that's still maintained fairly well uh, on the facade, on the first row of buildings anyway. But if, uh, one block in, and like it's like you're in the worst part of the worst third world city you've ever seen. Buildings are literally crumbling and falling onto the streets. And people still living there. And people still living there. I I was amazed to see that buildings where the front had literally collapsed still had people living in the back of the building. You know, here we would have sent in a wrecking crew and would have brought that whole building down. But if you did that in Havana, you'd have no buildings left. Wow. One of the things that happened is I went back to the neighborhood that I grew up in. And I remember when we were there and we left in 68, um, it was just a beautiful, pristine neighborhood. Every blade of grass was perfect. Uh, I mean, this is even eight years after, after the revolution, everything was in fairly good condition. Went back and again, literally falling apart. There have been no paint. Some of these buildings hadn't seen any paint jobs in the last 50 years. It's like, it's just amazing.
0: I it's beyond your imagination. Wow. So if Venezuela unfortunately is under the same uh structure, mm-hmm. you think they will be headed the same way?
1: Headed that way. I think Venezuela is there already. Yeah. Yeah. Venezuela is there already. I mean there's there's open rebellion in the streets. All right. So, any messages to those tourists going to Cuba? All the, all the people for equality and and uh, all those good, all those good feel-good causes that we in the United States support. Uh, next time you go to Cuba, think about this podcast and see how good how good that makes you feel.
0: For more on Pod With Me, you can go to alexjaguiar.com. There, you can discover what platform works best for you to listen to the pod. And please follow us on our social media. On Instagram, we're Pod With Me. And on Facebook, we're Pod With Me AJA. This is Alex J. Aguiar, and until next time, don't fall off the pod.